This is Channel 253. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. Nazis. I hate these guys. I'm Marguerite, and I want you to move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. You'll like it. Move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. Dot com. I'm Marguerite. This is Move to Tacoma. And before we get rolling, I just wanted to give a shout out to the Channel 253 members. Producer Doug reminds me that I should thank you all and that if you're thinking that you might want to join and be a member, you should visit channel253.com slash membership to show your support. So thanks to all our members and uh, check it out if you'd like to maybe become a member. We are here today with Hallie Kanigi and Cheryl Miller from Tacoma Against Nazis. Hello, ladies. Hi, Marguerite. Hello. So before we get rolling with the Nazi stuff, um, just as a reminder for anyone listening, we are against Nazis on the podcast today. Yes, that is our stance. Um, A controversial position this day and age. Who knew that this would ever become a thing? But uh, before we get into that, maybe just a very brief, uh, when did you move to Tacoma and why? When did we move to Tacoma? Yeah. Uh, around the year of 1992, moved oh. to Tacoma. My dad took a job at the Tacoma News Tribune. He came here to cover the aerospace industry. Oh. And we came with him because I was seven and <laughs> I had to. You came unwillingly, but now you're willing. I love Tacoma. I've lived in this area on and off for the better part of 20 years. And I just keep coming back. My people are here. Awesome. Cheryl, when did you move to Tacoma? I first came to Tacoma in 2001 as an undergraduate at the University of Puget Sound. Go loggers. (laughs) And then after graduating in 2005, I started making my transcontinental migration loop and found my way back here in 2014 when my spouse and I moved up here from the Bay Area. So James and I have lived here. Uh, We lived UPS adjacent when we first got here. And then we live in a space between Proctor and Old Town that I refer to as Commencement Bluffs. (laughs) You can choose to refer to the neighborhood that way. Choose your own journey. Everyone listening, I mean, that is a very mysterious place. As you're going up the North 30th Hill from Old Town trying to get to Proctor and you look to the right, it's its own little weird neighborhood. Commencement and Bluffs is as good a name as any. I don't think anybody else has really ever bothered to name it. Yeah, and we're kind of Commencement Bluffs East across the way. <laughs> Commencement Bluffs West. It's the entry-level part of Commencement Bluffs. Well, yeah, because Commencement <laughs> Bluffs West, they get the great views that include Rainier yeah. as well. So it's it's a different neighborhood. But gotcha. we're, we're, we can see each other, so it's yeah. similar. Well, welcome, Cheryl. <laughs> Thank you. Reach across the divide. <laughs> so... Um, how, what is, first of all, what is Tacoma Against Nazis and how did it come into existence? And like, are you the owners? Are you the midwives? Like, what is this thing? Who are you and how did it come to be? Tacoma Against Nazis is a group for people who work or live or play in Tacoma or just love Tacoma and who are against Nazis. Try to give it a pretty straightforward title. Okay. No bones about it. Uh, you are for or against, and we're against. Uh, this came about in June in a fit of mom rage. Is the this best is June way. 2018. 2018, a few months ago. Father's Day. 
Yeah, Father's Day, exactly. <laughs> a group of just a handful of us became fed up with, I think, um, probably just the the national climate and the sense that white supremacists are getting emboldened everywhere. And the fact that here in Tacoma, we had uh, we came aware of a group of neo-Nazis who are operating a tattoo parlor and just decided enough was enough and decided we're going to try to run their business out of town, stand up against Nazis. Okay. And so how did that manifest? So Hallie was the first person to organize the group. We had an original organizational meeting at the Seven Seas over <laughs> on Jefferson, thanks to our friends over at Seven Seas. My baby was there. <laughs> Her baby was there. It was last Father's minute. Day. A was lot a of people were squeezing this in between plans that day. And what we recognized in that original group of people who got together and then in subsequent meetings of our steering committee and of folks that are part of the membership was that we all wanted to do something. We felt like we had really been bystanders in our community and we had a call to action or excuse me, a call to action from one of our friends of color who said, Hey, these racists who were already flying these flags several months ago, they're doing it again. What is everyone going to do about this? And instead of just making the usual tokenistic Facebook, oh, this is so sad. We don't really stand for this, but we're not going to stand up against it. We decided we were going to do something. So that's how the group came about. Just for the record, Cheryl and I are both white women. Yes. We are white women. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that that was kind Can of the... Confirm. the um, that was just it. It was kind of a what what are the white progressives of Tacoma going to actually do to show up against white supremacy? You can talk about it or you can acknowledge that maybe you don't know exactly what to do, but you're just going to try to do something because we we have to take action. And just for clarity, so you're saying there is a, a shop in east on the east side of Tacoma that's a tattoo shop that's owned by people who are Nazis. And then they also were they had flown Nazi flags outside of their place of residence. Were they Nazi flags? Were they like this is a thing? Like I think this is I, I I'm doing like what I saw happening as this was all coming down was like white people sort of being like, well, are they Nazi flags? Do like, they just I mean, love Norse mythology? I mean, I grew up like understanding like everything I knew about Nazis were from like the rise and fall of the Third Reich, like documentaries on my TV. Nazis are German. They wear armbands. Um, like. What are when you say we're Nazis? I think a lot of people who maybe have not been a part of the formation of this group are like, I mean, do you mean like Nazi Nazis? And what does that mean? And how do you know? uh, We mean people with literal swastikas tattooed on their bodies. Okay, that feels very clear. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, we think so. (laughs) There are a lot of if if folks were to go to the resources provided by the Anti Defamation League, the ADL, or the Southern Poverty Law Center, they would see on their website, a variety of different resources that would point them to all of the many symbols, words, numbers, phrases utilized by folks who would collectively be what we would consider to be uh, either neo-Nazis or um, hate groups that subscribe to ideas of white nationalism, white supremacy in general. There's a lot of different monikers under which these hate ideologies uh, fly. But the point is that when it comes down to it, this particular group of people are folks that would uh, are aligned with a uh, skinhead group, 
known as the Hammerskins, and they're part of a, a splinter, not a splinter group, but a subset of that group called Crew 38. And they are really actively engaged in some of the very overt symbology that has been closely associated directly with Nazis, actual German, World War II, Hitler, Nazis. And just to be clear, when we talk about Nazis, the reason, I mean, aside, I mean, let's just get very like, let's just talk Nazis for dummies here today because yep. I, yeah. I need the, I need it laid out for me. So you mean like people who don't just think, I mean, because I think probably there are people listening who are like, I mean, that's terrible, but also this is America, right? Like if people want to believe what they want to believe, like, I mean, why why make a whole big thing? Why give them all this attention? And I think, like, the ideology that you're describing wants certain people killed or removed from the United States, right? And we're talking about black people, immigrants, Native people. Like, can you— do, LGBTQ do you, people, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, they're very, like— it, it's an exclusionary ideology, right? It's a violent idea. I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I don't even know how to articulate this. I'm sorry. I don't have the language for like defining the platform of a Nazi in 2018. I mean, what is the platform of a Nazi in 2018? They believe very strongly that they believe it is imperative to secure the future of the white race. And I'm going to butcher the 14 words right now. I wish I, I should have pulled it up on my phone so I could give it to you exactly. But one of the one of these Nazis. Um, so we're, we're talking about a tattoo shop on the east side. It's owned by a brother and sister um, of para-neo-Nazis. Um, many, most of the workers there, we've confirmed, also are part of this ideology. And they kind of run with a crew of local white supremacists. Um, among the many... Nazi tattoos they put on their bodies and all over their Facebook pages is the the number 14, and that stands for the 14 words, which is a phrase um, that these groups kind of cling to, and it's, it's I'm going to butcher it, but it's something along the lines of, we must secure the future of the white race for our white children, something along those lines. So, I mean, they're, they're pretty clear. They want to make the world a nice, great place for white people and get rid of the rest. Well, and I think maybe... You know, from I can only speak for myself. I feel like it's in recent years that I, 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 I'm not exactly sure how to articulate this. What I'm trying to say is that, like, before we might have had people like this in our community and been like, God, that's so embarrassing or they're idiots or like whatever. And that would have been stupid back then. But in the current climate where white supremacy is kind of finding a door in in all sorts of like overt white supremacy, not just like maybe institutionalized racism that we might talk about, but like people actually enacting policies at the government level that oppress people, um, it becomes even more important. Can you guys speak to that a little bit? Like why now and why this group and... What does success look like for this group? I'm asking like 12 questions at once. So you can just like pick whichever one you want first. (laughs) So I think what we've observed post-2016 election, post-Charlottesville, is that there is a normalizing of white supremacist language. White supremacist groups are becoming more prevalent. If we look at stats from groups like the ADL, like Southern Poverty Law Center, which keeps extensive stats on hate groups in the U.S., we see a proliferation of activity of these groups. And one of the moments that's been most poignant to me in the actions that Tacoma Against Nazis has taken as a group was in our first action at the shop where we were demonstrating Mm -hmm. for the shop owners to see us as a group, saying to them, we do not support your activities. We do not want you to be uh, here in Tacoma engaging in these activities, that we had somebody randomly pull over 
uh, off of the street in his truck to the tattoo shop parking lot. And he went up to some members of our group, asked some questions about what we were doing there. He actually got back into his vehicle and he put up in the back of his vehicle a Trump 2016 flag and then uh, drove off very quickly and came back along the street, blasting proud to be an American from his truck with the Trump flag flying. And there is a sense of there being a normalizing of their of activity around white supremacy, around the sense of we won't back down, you won't quiet us. We were censored previously within the previous political um, climate, and we were, were going to be out and loud and proud with our ideologies. And thus you have groups like the Proud Boys and Patriot Front that are gaining more um, recognition nationally and that their ideas are becoming more what folks might be familiar with the term alt-right. Mm-hmm. These ideas are, are, are becoming more part of the mainstream. They're, they're getting into the the things that we're hearing, the things that we're seeing, what's happening on social media. So I think there has been a significant normalizing of these types of activities. I think the other that goes right along with that, the other piece of this is just kind of the education and awakening of us as progressive white people. Mm-hmm. Whereas previously, a few years ago, we might have seen someone flying some kind of Nazi flag and thought, well, that exactly as you said, that's embarrassing, like stupid, pay him no mind. It's, it's very easy to dismiss that as a white woman because exactly. I can go walk past that Nazi flag and nothing's going to happen to me. But we need to recognize that our neighbors of color are living a very different reality where that poses a very real threat to um, their physical safety. And so why now? I think, um, to be totally frank, we're late. We're way mm. late to this party. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're yeah. here now and we're awake to it and we're trying to do everything that we can to make up for lost time and especially show um, the rest of our community that there are people here that are willing to stand up against this. So let's talk about the group because, Hallie, you made a Facebook group on the on the Facebooks. And, <laughs> yes, I did. Um, in my experience with Facebook groups on the Facebooks, <laughs> a lot of crazy shit goes on when you get like hundreds of people in a, you know, in an online forum together. Oh, yes. <laughs> you might you might have noticed that also. <laughs> So, like, how has that played out? How does the – I mean, because there, there might be people who listen who are like, oh, yeah, I'm in that group. Like, I don't exactly understand, like, how the conversation in the group leads to action in the community. And exactly – I think there are people listening who are like, oh, great. Like, you made another one of those Facebook groups where everybody mm-hmm. run, runs their mouth and does nothing. How is your group different? And how is it that you're able to take that momentum and that interest that comes from people signing onto a Facebook group and put that into, like, in real life action that actually matters? Sure. Um, In total transparency, going back to June 2018, uh, the Facebook group as it exists today was not kind of what I envisioned or intended back in June. Um, It came out of a group, a handful of us who were texting each other saying, "Okay, what are we actually going to do about this tattoo shop? Should we protest? Should we make posters? What should we do? I started a group on Facebook so we could all be in one place and brainstorm. And I truly believed for two hours on the Saturday morning before Father's Day that it was going to be a group of like 20 of my friends it's and we were going to be coming up with ideas. Now. I'm sorry, Cheryl, how many people are in the group now? I think as of today, there are 1,027 <laughs> members in the group. And we are slow to approve. We have a very conservative approval policy to let people into the group. So there there would be more if we weren't, if we weren't so uh, 
you also have a criteria for yeah. What is your criteria question? Don't don't be a Nazi. That's the number one rule. Is there no like Nazis. a question they have to answer? Like, yeah, folks first of all need to confirm that they work, live, or play, or just simply really love Tacoma, Washington, Pierce County, Pierce County, oh, Pierce County. Yeah, and then they need to essentially articulate why Nazis are bad. Like free form or do they like free form? Oh, free form. There's, it's no, not there's no multiple. It's choice. illuminating. Oh wow! Yeah. So we get free form answers. I don't think there's even a character limit on those answers. Dang. And then we ask people about what they can uniquely contribute, and that's when we hear from folks that they have experience organizing, or they have mm-hmm. graphic design experience, or they are somebody who has been a union organizer, or whatever wow. it may be. So, I think the um, to your question about what's different about the group is that's kind of exactly it is that this started as a way to channel people into action because um this we first became aware of this tattoo parlor in february when a local antifa group that had been researching and tracking these uh nazis for months doxed them which is posting a blog post kind of exposing who they are and all of the proof they have um that they're nazis and we've seen time and again across the country that doxing is a super super effective tool against white supremacists because um, they know what they're doing isn't popular. And so most of them are doing this in secret and, um, you know, their jobs don't know and their families don't necessarily know. And so doxing, embarrassing and humiliating and publicly shaming neo-Nazis is super, super effective. Um, like there, there were a whole bunch of reports about why Unite the Right 2 was not at all the same as the first one in Charlottesville because... Nazis that marched in Charlottesville got doxxed and they were too embarrassed to show up again because they didn't want to lose their jobs. Mm. That was a little side tangent. Um, Going back to our um, local Antifa group that kind of doxxed this tattoo shop, this came to light in February. And so from February till June, all of well-meaning Tacoma was kind of wringing its hands on the Internet and saying, well, this is terrible. This is too bad. They shouldn't be here. What should we do? And we created this group really to say, "Okay, it's time to actually take action. None of us are professional Nazi fighters. We're not Indiana Jones. We don't know what we're doing. We're just going to start trying some things and trying to make life really uncomfortable for Nazis. So we're trying to use the group as a place to harness people where when someone comes in with an idea or they say, I don't like this or we should do this, we say, awesome, we're going to put you in a work group. Give us your skill set. Also, I think there's a good chance that there are people who are listening right now who have had a similar impulse to you, Hallie, who have seen some kind of injustice or something going on and said, okay, I'm going to do something about that. Um, What can you, what advice can you offer people now that you have a thousand person group? It's not all rainbows and butterflies um, organizing a group of progressive people to, to fight Nazis, right? Like what happens when you try to do an activist action in a city, the size of Tacoma where everybody kind of knows everybody and has access to everybody and there are interest groups with their own agendas that might want to involve them. Like, what can you tell us? I'm just, I'm only knowing what I've seen. I'm very curious as to how you would describe this. Horrible. That's how I would describe it. It's horrible. <laughs> this is a horrible job that we accidentally volunteered for and that consumes all of our spare time. But it, we're fighting horrible people, so it's got to be worth it, right? It started to take on a life of its own and it really became, aside from our day jobs and our families, it became our full-time work this summer to <laughs> investigate that question of what what should we do how should we do it and what we realized along the way was that it was really important that we stuck to what for many folks seems like a, a pretty simple goal of we're going to try to close down this business 
that goal was the most tangible thing that we could point toward to say we've we've had a lasting impact by signaling to the community that they should not put their dollars and energy towards supporting people that are actively engaged in a white supremacist group, period. And what wound up happening with the Facebook group was we had a lot of folks who had a lot of cost, a lot of causes of which they were quite passionate, who in, in many instances felt very vocally in the group, we weren't doing enough, we weren't helping out with other causes, we weren't centering other our voices and we weren't radical enough we weren't radical enough and so we made an intentional effort to stick to our guns around let's stick with our goal of closing the shop and let's also be really intentional about listening to some of the voices that we know we need to center if we're going to do this work effectively so let's get out and let's talk with neighbors adjacent to the shop directly alongside the shop um, down on south 72nd street Let's make sure that we are talking with stakeholders, especially people of color in the community, so we can know that we are uh, sending out clear messages about what our plans are, and we can also receive feedback on those plans. Yeah. How do you avoid being the well-meaning white ladies that just come in and, like, F everything up? Like, and I'm not, not that it's just ladies, because um, there are gents involved in this, too. But, like, this is white people handling their white people. So how do you sure. do that while being accountable to people of color in the community? What does that look like for this group? Well, I think the most important thing is to try and have as much humility as possible, because we are entering, we're all entering into a new space. I've never tried to run Nazis out of town before. So we need to come into this with our eyes open and be willing to listen. And we need to accept that we're not going to get everything right and that we're going to make mistakes, but that we need to be willing to listen and learn. And that shouldn't scare us off from taking action. So um, we have a number of people of color who live adjacent to the shop or in the surrounding area who we are reaching out to um, really just kind of trying to initiate the opportunity for two-way conversation because one of the things that we're very conscious of is that we're white people, we're fighting white supremacists. This is like we did this collectively, so we need to figure out a way to dismantle it. And we, as part of that, we cannot put the work and the emotional labor back onto people of color in the community. So we've tried to be really intentional about reaching out to people and saying, hey, we know that you're a neighbor. We know that you're involved in this community. We know that you're passionate about this cause. We want to sit down with you and have a conversation and share with you what we're doing and just let you know that we're open to feedback and we um, we invite you to participate however um, you're able and however you have the energy. We're not asking you to do this, but we want we want to hear what you have to say if you're kind of willing to engage in that conversation with us. So let's talk about the actions and what the impact of those different actions have been. I have participated in one. I attended the very first protest at the tattoo shop itself. So I got to see the the Trump guy in a truck. (laughs) But I also saw um, a couple of ladies that pulled up in the truck um, while we were standing on the corner. Another truck, yeah. A different truck. (laughs) Um, And they were like, oh, my God, this is so great. We're so glad someone's finally doing something about this. So I just I thought that 
that was interesting also is that people in the neighborhood were aware of this and were freaked out by it. And it was good to see. Like, there were people honking. Like, Mm -hmm. they were supportive of what was going on. So that first action was just a protest holding up signs. Can you talk about how that came about, what the feedback was on it, and how it ended up kind of – like, would you talk a little bit about, like – that initial community resistance and then kind of like what you guys did to make sure that the protest was responsible. Just as, again, as a model for people who might be considering their own actions and like kind of what went down. So going back in time to June 2018, five months ago, feels like 500 years. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Father's Day. um, So Father's Day, Sunday, the day before that, started this Facebook group, got a crew of people together who decided we were going to do something. Um, Kind of the first idea that we had was protest outside the shop and heckle anyone going in to get a tattoo. You know, like make it too embarrassing and uncomfortable to get this a tattoo from a Nazi. very straightforward. Yeah, right? Um, so had this first kickoff meeting on Sunday, uh, and we're planning to do our first protest on that Friday. Immediately met with a ton of resistance. And I think looking back now, it's because we were trying to do something brand new that we just had not been done before, and there were there were a lot of unknowns, and people were very, very nervous. Um, you don't see a lot of kind of middle-of-the-road um, liberals, I guess, getting very engaged in anti-fascist work. Um, we tend to let Antifa kind of take that fight on for us and fight in our own way by reposting Facebook articles about how things are terrible. So you don't I have not seen a lot of protests um, where it's kind of the moms and the teachers and the community members getting off their couches to protest Nazis. So I think that in of itself was very like all those moms and those community members and those teachers had a lot of questions of should we do this? Is this not just going to give them free advertising? Is this not just going to scare the community? Mm. Um, We'd be better off ignoring them. Yeah, well, I mean, there were there were elected officials who said, like, if you do this protest, it will make them more money. Their shop will do better. Yeah. You know, like, and has that proven to be true? Um, there are differing reports. So if you were to ask them, uh, and a local media outlet did, they said, business is booming. This has been nothing but helpful. Um, but we also have a crew of researchers who are deep into these online forums where these white supremacist groups meet and organize. And all of the intel that we have from tracking them and listening to them is that we are seriously hurting their business. Um, I think it's telling that we plan our protests based around um, what Google predicts to be their busiest hours for customers Mm. and i mean what we've protested three times and have seen maybe five people go into the shop who seem to be actual customers like at max i mean there's we're we're not giving them advertising and i mean we came into this kind of assuming that if you want a swastika tattoo in tacoma you probably already know where to get one yeah the other aspect of, in addition to those physical in-person protests, has been a social media campaign where we are trying to notify folks that might be looking at a Google review or a Yelp review and trying to decide where they're going to get tattooed in Tacoma to choose another business, uh, know who they're getting tattooed by, that these are folks who have documented activity with white supremacist groups, who have their own very clear white supremacist tattoos, 
So if you want to get tattooed by a Nazi, don't go to this business. Um, that Those efforts on social media have, um, we think, largely been successful because at various points in time, the group has had to either shut down those social media channels or has had to report our reviews. So there's been a lot of back and forth in those forums and and only very recently has, for example, the Google presence of the shop just pretty recently emerged. So that's the sort of the, the virtual presence as well mm-hmm. of protest. And we, we think it's working. Awesome. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then we will come back and talk some more about the other actions that you guys have been engaging in. This is Nate Bowling, host of the Nerd Farmer podcast on the Channel 253 Network. I fly a lot. And when I fly, I want to actually enjoy my time in the air. So I'm looking for two things. One, being treated like a human being. And two, an amazing mileage plan. And for those two things, the only game around is Alaska Airlines. The flight attendants are courteous, the service is efficient, and when I fly with Alaska, I feel like a human, like a customer, not a commodity. And the mileage plan, I get rewarded for the miles that I fly, which means that flying across the country really racks up the miles. So the next time you're looking to fly from SeaTac, skip the travel sites. Just head to alaskaair.com, book your ticket. You'll thank me. I'm Nate Bowling, Alaska Airlines MVP Gold, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. We're back. All right. So you started this group, Tacoma Against Nazis, on the Facebooks, if anyone is interested in getting in there and participating. Um, You have a protest. It goes pretty well. The newspaper writes an article about it. Um, Then what happens? Well, (laughs) we decided a second overt phase of our actions would be to put up a billboard around the corner from the shop. And so we had a very talented graphic designer (laughs) design for us a billboard which just very clearly said, there are Nazis in our neighborhood. Paid for by Tacoma Against Nazis. Okay, so why did it say paid for by Tacoma Against Nazis? Because that makes it look like it's like a political campaign or something. Great question. Um, Well, there are some liability issues when you're paying a company to put up a billboard. Um, they don't. And by it, the company, you mean like Clear Channel or something? Lamar. 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 Oh, the billboard company. Yeah. Um, so first we were trying to point it back to our website, disconnectwhitepower.com. Um, but we were pretty clearly outing specific people. And I think there's been a real hesitation um, really one from everyone we've encountered along the way, um, kind of every media outlet and billboard company and everyone, just this real hesitation to um, actually allow us to out any Nazis. Why do you think that is? I think there's a sense of what I think many members of our group originally encountered as we began doing this work is, how do we know they're Nazis? Is that are these actions taken by these groups so bad? Is there any document hate documented hate actions? Is what? there are there documented crimes from these people? And they you have know? their own talking points around this, right? Like, what about free speech? Like, oh, isn't yeah. it okay to be proud to be white? Like, don't they have these? T- what What do you say to that kind of stuff? To isn't it okay to be white? Well, isn't it okay to be proud to be white? Like, what do you say? Like, what or or I mean, shouldn't we just leave Nazis alone? Because the less attention you give them, 
the more likely they are to go away. I mean, you must have heard all of this, right? Yeah, we've heard a lot of opposition along the way. <laughs> and I and I imagine you're hearing it from a lot of different perspectives, like from a lot of different positions. Let me tell you, we're getting a lot more pushback from our fellow white liberals than from actual Nazis. Okay, so we're we're having a public conversation. What do you want to say about that? Like what 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 aspects of that do you feel comfortable talking about? I think um we're 5 months in now. The early the whole summer was pretty stressful. I think we put a lot of emotional energy into helping a lot of Tacoma along on its journey, and I think we're in a really good place now, but I think it really just took some time. Um, I think that a lot of kind of the loudest voices, the voices that were the loudest in opposition have kind of come around to see that um, we're doing, we're going about this in a responsible way and we're really trying to do something good. And I think, um, you know, we're still here. It's five months later. We're still connected to the community and we're still talking to the neighbors and we're still involved. We're just, we didn't just show up to stir up some drama and then walk away. And so I think we've proven ourselves a little bit. Um, That's not to say it wasn't incredibly frustrating. What does it look like to show up responsibly? So like you talked about going door to door to talk to the neighbors and, and in particular being accountable to people of color in the neighborhood, because that was some of the concern was like the people who are going to be most impacted by this aren't going to be white people. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you organize an action like this responsibly and, and maintain a group like this responsibly so that people do kind of chill out and realize that you're here for the long haul and that you're going to do good? I think it's really a huge challenge to do that because everyone has an opinion. As Hallie was saying earlier, there are a variety of folks who join the Facebook group in particular who let it be known to those who were admins in the group, members of the group, that they didn't feel we were radical enough. Mm -hmm. They didn't feel that we were taking part in actions that they thought were in solidarity with the cause that we were promoting. They didn't feel that we were necessarily representing all points of view that were out there in our community. And I think that what has what is the biggest challenge is feeling like, okay, we can stick to our guns of knowing these are people who are promoting hatred and we don't want hate in our community, period, end of story. And also knowing that you can't please everyone with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So I think Figuring out, okay, if we're getting support and buy-in from local neighbors, local people of color in the community, we need to trust that this work is worth doing and it's worth us showing up as white people to do it, even if we are not going to make friends with everyone who has a cause that they think that we should be in solidarity with in our local community here. I think my favorite two pieces of feedback, they came in back to back in the same week in July, was one that clearly the organizers of Tacoma Against Nazis are not actually radical anti-fascists. And then, I think you guys would agree with that, right? Truth. I mean, yeah. okay. we're a bunch of moms and teachers. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the same week, uh, rumor was going around the North End that we were paying Antifa. So, you know, somewhere in the middle of that is the <laughs> truth. And I think we, we're all in this because 
We want to stand up against white supremacists, not because we're looking for fame or notoriety or for everyone in the community to love us. And so because there's not that ego piece, it's been um, that's helped us kind of keep our eye on the prize. But then also um, I just feel thankful every day that I'm one of a four person steering committee and I am not kind of shepherding this alone because that makes all the difference. Well, one thing I'm curious about as far as like the structures you've put in place first your protests are not just like slapped together. They're carefully planned. They're planned offline. They're not planned in a thousand person group. Correct. And and then you also have like security measures in place. Can you talk a little bit about like how that works? Because I think for again, for other people who might be thinking like, hey, I want to put a group together and plan an action to maybe not white supremacy specifically or Nazi specifically. But they're like listening to this and being like, I would like to do something like this for my own particular interest in justice. Like what have you done I mean, because you have a lot of structure and stuff in place. Can you explain that? So we have a steering committee. Hallie and I are two of the four members of that steering committee. And we have formed work groups in addition to our committee of four who are specifically tasked with certain aspects of the group. And that might be moderating the Facebook page. Mm looking at the actions, planning the actions, doing research. There are a variety of different ways that people can get involved. And we largely depend on people raising their hand and showing up. One of the things that we've learned doing this work is that a lot of people are happy to say, sure, I believe in what you believe in. I'm supportive of your cause. Oh, also, you should be doing this other stuff. Right. Also, (laughs) you should be doing this other stuff. But one of the things that it really comes down to is who's willing to show up? Who's willing Mm -hmm. to show up for an organizing meeting? Who's willing to say, yeah, hand raise. I'm going to be at this action. Or yes, I can help with doing some sort of letter writing campaign, emails, phone calls, things like that. So I think a big part of it is people that are just willing to raise their hand and show up and put the put the work in. And that's been one of the the biggest takeaways for us is that 90% of this is just showing up and being part of a conversation, being accountable for for most members of the group for our whiteness mm-hmm. and uh, for just wanting to take some sort of action. I think it's in some ways it's as simple as that. And I think a lot of what social media or our conversations with friends would have us do is just get caught up in a spinning circle of word choice and dialogue. And what it really comes down to is what do you believe and what are you willing to do about it? And are you willing to show up again and again and again when the work gets really exhausting? And persist. Mm -hmm. I think – you know, one of the things that's happening right now, there's we're so overstimulated. There's like a new tragedy every day. And I don't think that's an exaggeration even. Like there's mm-hmm. some new revealing of just greater and greater levels of injustice in our society. And I think as a progressive white lady in Tacoma, like I'm looking at this and I'm like, I like to get angry about it. You know, and I'll post about it on the Internet and I'll argue about it with my friends or I might be out for drinks and I might get in some conversation with my fellow liberal friends. And we all agree and we all expend a tremendous amount of energy talking about how terrible things are. Mm -hmm. And it's a waste of time. And so I really admire you guys because I think what you've done is you help channel even a fraction of a thousand people. Even like 0.05% of the amount of energy of a thousand people is enough to really get some stuff done. And so I guess what I'm curious about is um, 
we could talk some more about the other actions that you've taken, but I'm, I'm really curious about what your advice is for people who might be wanting to replicate this, because obviously we need to continue to do this work at Tacoma against Nazis. If people are listening and they want to participate in this group, they should go to the group. They should answer the questions. They should volunteer their time or, you know, attend a protest. You know, you guys have security um, precautions in place, like, you know, don't bring your kids, obviously. Um, yeah, no violence, no, no violence. threats of violence. This um, is not your your niche. Yeah, but like I'm if, the mom that's going to confiscate a protest sign that says something violent on it and leave it in my trunk. Like, you will not be allowed to protest with us. <laughs> so how what what is your advice for people organizing actions in Tacoma? Yeah. What have you learned? Thank you for circling back to that. I think that the most important thing that people can do is develop a, an alliance with other folks who are interested in what they believe and begin to create a space for dialogue around that cause because it was in our initial meeting and subsequent meetings that we were able to really talk through, okay, what is important to us here? What do we want to see happen? It was out of some of those meetings, for example, that we evolved a strategy of getting in touch with the landlord of the Mm -hmm. tattoo shop and saying, you know, we really have to exert pressure on this person because if we don't do that, then, uh, you know, they'll they'll continue to be able to rent that space and, and, and conduct their work. So, It's been in dialogue that our best ideas have happened. It's been in, you know, those conversations with the community that our best ideas have been vetted and tested and proven. And it's also been in that dialogue that we have been able to support one another in not getting distracted Mm -hmm. by the voices that would have us believe that the work that we're doing is not enough or not important because – at the end of the day, we're just still showing up. And that's more than half the battle is just being there and being present. I think two things um, that I think have been helped us be successful in some ways. One um, is just really kind of specific and tactical is that we are just relentless with trying to channel the energy of that Facebook group. So we see the Facebook group as a place where um, it's informative. People are sharing articles about how to recognize white supremacist symbols and updates and interesting things like that. We are kind of crowdsourcing people for various upcoming actions, and we're um, posting updates kind of to get bodies for different actions. That's not where kind of all the planning is happening, that is where a lot of the distraction and a lot of the swirl and a lot of the pushback and a lot of the nitpicking over specific tactics is happening. And from day one, we have been just relentless about um, when someone raised their hand and says, I don't like how you did X or Y, or I don't think you should have done it this way. We say, great, we need a diversity of tactics and we need always need more creativity and more energy. So how can we get you plugged in to some of the action planning so that you can bring your ideas to the table. Nine out of 10 of those people we never hear from again. So, (laughs) um, you know, it shuts down some of the pushback. But then some people we bring in and we get new, fresh ideas. And, um, you know, we as a steering committee and as the kind of broader action planning group that we have offline, we're not going to do everything right. And all we ask is that people are willing to... um, you know, if they think they have a better idea that they're willing to come put some time and energy into helping us execute that next better idea. So that's one thing is just um, we're here to channel talk into action. That is specifically what we're here for and trying to keep our eyes on the prize of action, action, action. No more debate and Facebook swirl. Um, the second piece is that we see ourselves as really um, 
kind of trying to build a coalition. There are a lot of people who have been doing this work for a very long time. Uh, We're new to this, but there are other groups that have been doing anti-fascist work in the area for a long, long time. And there's a lot that we can learn from each other. And we need to be aligned instead of um, and make sure that we're not working against each other, that we're not accidentally getting each other's way or that we're not spending time debating what tactics other groups are using. So Mm. um, one such group is the John Brown Gun Club, the Puget Sound chapter of the John Brown Gun Club. You mentioned um, we have security plan at the protest. This is a group that's been um, responsible for like security planning and ensuring that our that that our protesters are as safe as they can be. So we don't they are an anti-fascist organization. They have totally different um, kind of actions that they take and tactics that they use. Um, and, you know, we've been in contact. I mentioned local Antifa groups. We are not Antifa, but we know that they are doing a lot of this work where they're researching and tracking a lot of these um, kind of Nazis and white supremacists. So it's super important that we just are aware of what they're doing and that we're in dialogue with other people behind the scenes. Um, same way we're connected to local elected officials and other groups in the area. And so I think that's been um, just very helpful. And also it's just how I would like to see the left unite itself a little mm-hmm. bit better by trying to remember that we all have the same goal. We all have the same enemy and we're not all going to do the same thing or like how the actions that everyone is taking. But we have the same end goal. Let's get Nazis out of Tacoma. Exactly. I think that in the Venn diagram of the values espoused by all these groups, there's only going to be potentially a small amount of overlap. But where you can find your connection with other groups, it's a really this would be advice to folks who are organizing. Find that connection point and uh, and nurture that and, and be there for each other. And so I think it's been really powerful to be able to align with other groups and know that um, that's a that's a two way partnership. Mm-hmm. Don't well. waste your time dragging other people who you think are not doing enough and don't let yourself get distracted by the people who are dragging you yeah. because they think you're not doing enough. Let's just take a brief detour to talk about some of the some of the figures who've dragged you as a group uh, oh. in Tacoma. We don't have to go into the mud, <laughs> um, but I will say you have had some some rather high profile critics of your work. Um, critics, as you say, who are not Nazis. I mean, obviously the Nazis don't love you, but it might be said that the T- Tacoma News Tribune editorial board maybe dislikes you <laughs> even more. Like, what was that editorial about? And like, I mean. I was pretty, like, shocked and outraged when I saw it. Like, how did it land for you guys? Well, I think that the overwhelming response that we had to the Tacoma News Tribune's editorial board's uh, piece about our group's actions was that it was unresearched and uninformed relative to what our group was actively doing at the time that the editorial was written. And it left us all wondering why didn't anyone take the time to consult with their own journalists or with our group directly, for that matter, before writing this piece? It seemed very disconnected from the reality of what was actually happening on the ground at that point in time. So, Hallie, you have a media background. Um, what is an editorial board? What is it that, that the News Tribune editorial board wrote about Tacoma Against Nazis? What was their like advice for you? And how does something like that come to be when you have reporters on the ground that know better? Sure. So um, at a newspaper, the opinion side and the, um, the the journalists are 
separate. So we've had local reporters who have been out at our protests, have been totally aligned with us, who I talk to every week about our group's actions. Who and when been, you say aligned, it's not that they're like participating in the group. It's that they're aware of what you're doing. They ask you questions. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're 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 kind of. Yeah, they're aware of what we're doing. They're paying attention. They're asking questions. Um, it's more that they understand kind of what we're doing because they've been there putting in the time doing the research. Um, gosh, I don't even remember this when this was. Maybe August. Yeah, I think the it was The News Tribune's editorial board, which is um, made up of two opinion writers and then the publisher always has a like a ceremonial – that's not the right word – ceremonial seat on the editorial board. Um, they – that can constitutes the editorial board. So typically one opinion writer will write an editorial. Um, they'll have a meeting with the rest of the board. They'll kick it around a little bit and they'll decide, yes, we want to publish this and they'll put it in the newspaper. And then that then kind of represents the opinion of the opinion side of the publication. A lot of um, like political candidates will go meet with editorial boards when they're hoping to get an endorsement for for an election or that kind of thing. So what did our paper of record have to say about your group? Oh, they said we should do more talking, less yelling, and said that we're protesting too much and kind of painted us as a bunch of just angry people on a street corner with no broader plan or strategy. Um, So they didn't know about, like, all of your outreach and all the other things that you've been doing. No. And I mean, if you if you just dipped into the Facebook group and browsed through a few posts, you might think that all we had done recently was a protest. But that's because we're fighting Nazis and it's super not safe to post the details of all of our actions (laughs) in a Facebook group of a thousand people. So all of our actual planning happens offline. We would have been happy to share any of that with the opinion writer if they'd asked us about it. So they didn't mention the fact that we'd done door to door community canvassing, um, you know, having exactly the conversations that they were suggesting that we should be having. Uh, They didn't know that we had kind of a roadshow put together that we were planning to go to um, a handful of local rotary clubs and and meet with people. They didn't know that we had a booth booked at the East Side Street Fair for a couple weeks later. So they basically wrote this editorial saying, we all yell too much. Um, You know, it was a lot of words that essentially that felt like it was saying be more civil, you know, protest with more civility. Um, gave us some recommendations, said we should go visit the city club. Girl, don't even get me started. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the, the, the great thing was that um, as this kind of steering committee, we didn't really even have to react that strongly because the community came right in and said, what the heck? This is totally irresponsible. You have no idea what you're talking about. Why are you fighting against the group that is actively fighting against Nazis in our community? Well, and even the reporters for the paper were like, uh, we're not co-signing this. Yeah. Because clearly hadn't reached out to the people who were knowledgeable about the work your group had been doing. Yeah. yeah. They, they got a lot of feedback. They ended up posting an update on their Facebook page that was almost worse than the original, <laughs> in which they said... Um, so so our group, um, steering committee, decided that we would be the To Come Against Nazis editorial board and wrote our <laughs> own editorial in response, posted it on the website and just said, You can see okay. it at disconnectwhypower.com. Yeah. Just said, okay, here's all the like point by point refutation. Here's what we're actually doing. The response by the News Tribune was basically, by the editorial board, again, this is not 
they do not represent the views of the entire News Tribune. Um, so this is the the three person editorial board posted the response and the said, all white three person editorial board and said we're we're glad to see Tacoma against Nazis is taking our advice basically. So <laughs> if it's okay, I mean I, I know this. I know I, Doug. You know Doug's bum has to be falling asleep back there. We can't talk all day, but um, I would don't don't paint me as so disengaged. <laughs> He's not along His back there. Is very much awake. I am curious. Like one of the things I always say on this podcast for people who are listening, so people who are new, people who are thinking about moving to Tacoma, the coolest thing about Tacoma is that you can do something like this. You can start a Facebook group and say we're gonna like be against Nazis and work on running this Nazi tattoo shop out of and people will join and people will engage and like you, you know, you can just show up and like make something happen in Tacoma and nobody's gonna question your credentials really. Mm-hmm. Like we have a lot of access in this town because we're still small, right? The thing that people care. People care. Like it, it, that you have this feeling that you can actually make a difference here and that what you do matters. The thing that sucks is there are all these institutions that are doing the exact same thing. So you have like your newspaper, you have, there's like a hierarchy, an invisible hierarchy of like the people who've been, I'm making air quotes that other people maybe can't see, but like the people who've been doing the work. And there's almost like this invisible sort of, if if I sound like a crazy person, someone please just like interrupt and take it away from me. (laughs) But like what I'm trying to say is like, it's almost like you have to get permission to do certain stuff. And like, oh, you would like to be involved in anti-racist actions? We have a system for that. Like, did you feel like you were trying to go outside of an existing system? Am I making this up? Like, I don't think you're making up the system that's invisible. And I do think that we were in the very beginning confronted with the choice of are we going to do what's popular or are we going to do what's right? And not to sound too much like a middle school motivational poster. (laughs) But we did decide that we needed to go against what was recommended to us by those who were already engaged in that invisible or visible system. And I I think what I'm trying to describe is a tangled web of alliances. Yeah. So it's like everything is so small. It's not like you're just in this silo where you're an elected official. You're an Mm -hmm. an elected official and you run a local nonprofit whose uh, actions might be impacted by, you know what I'm talking about? Like everything is so tangled up. And so like people's motivations are not always clear and pure. And so when you have a group of volunteers that have a very simple mission, you might be impacting someone's re-election campaign. You might be impacting somebody's nonprofit funding and you don't know about that and you probably don't even care about that. But a lot of other people who are also involved in this work are impacted by the things that you're doing and are riled up. And that's what's so confusing is it's like are we such a small town that there are all these weird, like, provincial, like, am I crazy? I, I sound like a nutty person right now, don't I? Like, there are people that want no. to suppress you. Like, that's how I feel when I talk about this. No, and I it, don't and think it, you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong either. And it may not be that overt in terms of people's understanding of it or how they navigate it. But I think that there there is a sense of the interconnectedness. The interconnectedness is what gives us strength. And it's also what will cause us to paralyze ourselves in dialogue or, um, you know, sort of in the vacuum of social media. And if there's anything that I personally have learned from everything that we've gone through as a group is that you just have to stick to what you know Mm -hmm. with a sense of conviction. And that may be different than even your fellow group members, but 
you are what you practice. If you show up, that's what and who you are. Mm -hmm. If you don't show up, that's what and who you are. So there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of invisible connections. At the end of the day, do what you know is right. Do what you feel with conviction. I mean, my top tip for people trying to wade through the noise is have a baby at the same time because I'm so, like, tired and over all of it that I just have no time or patience to dig into any of the ego or the permission. I'm just going to do that work and not play around because, come on, I got a baby to put to bed. Yeah, I recommend starting a job at the same <laughs> yeah. time to get a new, a new job, job. Yeah. baby. It helps you get very clear about what you're going to deal with and what you're not. Yeah, just keep the eye on the prize. Mm-hmm. Can I say one thing that's like not related to what we're currently talking about, but you reminded me that your Going audience is people mm-hmm. thinking about moving to Tacoma? Oh, yeah. Totes. Um, so one of, the, uh, <laughs> one of the frequent points of um, kind of resistance that we have received is this was a lot more subtle, and I think this goes to what you were talking about, where it felt like a lot of the subtext of a lot of the feedback that we were getting was basically that we're going to give Tacoma negative PR by shining a light on this. Um, That wasn't said... It was alluded to in many ways by many people, and I think what is very, very important for all the people that want to move to Tacoma and absolutely should move to Tacoma is that this is a problem in the United States. This is a problem everywhere, and I'd actually venture—Margaret, you look shocked. What do you want to say? No, I'm just like, I'm like, <laughs> preach, Hallie. Okay, keep yeah, going. This keep is everywhere. Going. This is everywhere. Yeah. So I would actually venture to say, so based on the immersion uh, into— white supremacist problem in the United States that we've had over the past five months, I actually think Tacoma has a pretty small problem um, compared to much of the rest of the country. Like, we've hardly got any at all. We have a little tiny offshoot of a couple of these groups, and we can stamp this out if we get on it right now. Um, And I, to me, I love Tacoma. Um, People have joked to me my whole life that I'm Tacoma's proudest unofficial spokesperson. Um... And shining a light on this problem in our community is not saying that Tacoma is a bad place because it has Nazis. It's saying Tacoma is a great place because it has a community that is willing to fight Nazis and stand up for, um, you know, the marginalized members of its community that maybe don't have the platform or the safety to fight against Nazis that would want to harm them. I always think, like, the thing I love about Tacoma is that it's a real place. And real places have real problems. And there are places that have real serious problems that don't talk about them, that don't deal with them. I'm thinking about, like, the wealth inequality in San Francisco and Mm -hmm. just how everything is just – nothing is dealt with. And I think the thing about Tacoma is that we do deal with stuff here. And anybody who's – I'm sorry. If you're thinking about moving to Tacoma and you're skittish because there's a group called Tacoma Against Nazis or you just found out that there's a Nazi tattoo parlor that local residents are upset about, maybe you should move to – Puyallup or, or no, send know, me an email way. and I will happily tell you Cali all of the Nazis in you. your current town. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like I, I they're think, there, whether you think they are or not. Yeah, I think anybody who's concerned about Tacoma's PR at this point should just like take a nice seat in the corner and let the grown-ups do their work. Well, and I think that that's where the billboard was an affront to a lot of people. But mm-hmm. what we were trying to do is call out exactly what Hallie was saying: is recognize you may not, or you may very well recognize already that there are Nazis in the neighborhood. So for those who already knew that truth, we were hoping that they would be able to have more of a dialogue with their neighbors, Mm. friends, family, 
around, yeah, this is really happening, folks. Should we because do a dramatic reading of the email of the <laughs> the businessman who said we were going to lower his property values? Uh, That's a real piece of feedback we received. I don't know if we have enough time for that stage. <laughs> but um, but I do want to give a shout out. You know, we've talked about some of the folks who have either been detractors or have undercut the work um, as as we saw it. And what I want to do is give a shout out to some of the folks that have supported us. Yes. We mentioned um, the John Brown Gun Club, and we are grateful for just being able to be in dialogue and partnership with that group. Even if many of us do not espouse the ideals of uh, of the group, we have really benefited from the conversation that our two groups have had together. Uh, another local Tacoma institution that many of your listeners might know about, Beautiful Angle, mm-hmm. even before the group was really formed and took action, um, Tom Llewellyn was in dialogue with one of our friends and and actively working on how can we u- utilize the Beautiful Angle community and boosters and fans and try to get these messages out there. So just this past weekend, there was another protest at the shop and folks were able to um, engage from the beautiful Angle community by virtue of having the call to action of coming and getting involved in the protest and then receiving one of the beautiful Angle posters with the visage of Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. <laughs> Original Nazi Saying, fighter. quote, Nazis. I hate these guys. And uh, and they could get that poster by virtue of taking part in the action. So it really was a call for people to show up and be engaged in the work as well as be engaged in the the art community that is so strong here in Tacoma. Mm. So that's an example of a partnership that we're really excited about mm-hmm. and really grateful for. There's also just really rad people in the Facebook group who are sharing incredible resources. The articles are so good. I know. I learned so much. <laughs> Every morning before I go to work, I'm like, hold on, I need to read about this man that was just fired and Santa Barbara for his white supremacist connections. And it's like, well, and I think this is the true work. I mean, you know, you, you guys are so great because you have such a clear goal. You know, we have this nasty tattoo shop in Tacoma and it needs to close. Like we need to make it extremely uncomfortable to do business as an open white supremacist in Tacoma. Mm-hmm. Um, dare we say like not at all profitable and have them oh, close yeah. their business. And not just the business, but you need to be uncomfortable if you're someone who's going to enable white supremacists to do business in Tacoma. True. Exactly. But I think that the second layer of this that's been very interesting to watch is because of this thousand person group, you have all these white people now talking about, well, like, wait, what are what is white supremacy and how am I engaging with contributing, participating in white supremacy? Because it's not possible to be white in America in 2018 and not have benefited from it and not be participating. And like, I think what's cool is watching people sort of share articles that help us excavate our own racist ideas and our mm-hmm. own internalized racism. And 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 that's kind of the the next level stuff. And like you guys aren't. This isn't your work, but I think it's opening a door for a lot of people to begin some work that starts off as very simple, which is like Nazis got to go. And then there's Mm -hmm. like this next level, which is how am I contributing to this? How am I participating in this unknowingly? And what are the systems in place that we need to start questioning? Because we're we're so focused on, you know, these are the Nazis that are running this tattoo parlor and we want them to know that we're watching and we want to make it too Mm -hmm. uncomfortable for them to do business. They also have a landlord who's a wealthy white man who lives in Sammamish who basically 
told me to F off when I called him on the phone to express my concerns. Um, if you join the group, you can be given information to write him a letter if you yeah, so choose. Totally. So it's like it's like when you start to click in deeper and deeper, it's like who, who are your friends and your neighbors who are enabling this and taking the easy choice of like, well, you know, they pay rent, so don't want to mess with the status quo. And um, there, there's just a tangled web to start unpacking. That was so many metaphors. That was terrible. No, it was great. <laughs> it was really great. Um, I just want to say, like, when I watch everything that's happened in the group, like, so much good has come out of it. And for me, like, it seems like so much work to just, like, manage everybody's – because we're all hot about this, right? Like, and that shows that, – that comes through. People, like, having big emotions about Nazis and what we should be doing to remove Nazis from our neighborhood. Like, everybody's got an opinion, me included. Like, everybody thinks you should be doing it one way or another. And you guys have just been so great at just – managing that and like channeling as much of that energy as possible into action and like putting different people together and I just I really admire the work that you've been doing and I just wanted to say that like I'm very impressed I don't have that kind of patience or skill and I just think it's, <laughs> it's a beautiful thing Margaret I think you do the work in your own way and I think what I would want to leave your listeners with is that everybody is capable of doing meaningful work that will in some even small way shape or form work to make a system that is full of oppression and inequality just a little bit more just and a little bit more enlightened. And so wherever you are, whatever you're doing, think about how you can make some sort of incremental improvement in your community and just do it. Just show up and do it. I think that's the moral for me. It's you can have tons of ennui about everything that's going on around us in the world today where you can just do something about it in your own little corner of the world. And it's pretty satisfying. I mean, the last protest was happening as Kavanaugh was getting confirmed. So you felt like you were I got to channel my rage into I mean, there's so there's so many threats to fight against all the time. But well, and I think, you know, Cheryl, your little speech right there was so beautiful. It would have been like this perfect spot to end. But now I want to <laughs> just say end it. Else. <laughs> I know, but I want to say else, which is like, oh, back to the liberal circle jerks, which is like, oh, yeah. you know, that's a terrible word that I shouldn't have used. But like this thing that we do where we expend so much energy just getting mad with our friends that agree with us. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's what privilege looks like. Yes. Oh, damn, Cheryl. It is. It is. You can, if you're spending that much time on social media, sharing articles, sparring with people, that means you also have time to just do something. Yep. So it's really how do you want to place your energy? Is it more self-satisfying? Is it more ego-satisfying for you to get in fights on Facebook or lament or, you know, talk about how you are feeling sad or oppressed Or really think about all the people around the world and around our very own community who are sad because they're oppressed Mm -hmm. and do something to fight in a direction of trying to make things more peaceful, more just, more equal, wherever possible. Yeah. Another good speech, Cheryl. Really good I guess that's what I came here for. <laughs> Those motivational. Holly, do you speeches. have a closing speech? Not after that. No. <laughs> well, Just, do work. Get do off work. your couch. Get off your couch get off and do something. I mean, get like share on Facebook. That's great. That's a great way to challenge people in your circle to think about absolutely things. But it has to go beyond that. I, um, b- b- when we. 
I've, I just don't want to get to a point where we're like patting ourselves on the back yeah. for fighting Nazis since June because, you know, we're That's... late to the party. And all I did before that was share stuff on Facebook. But you can start late and you can have an impact and you can join us or you can do your own thing. Um, just start start acting. Just do something. Get to work, folks. Thanks for coming on, Cheryl and Hallie, and thanks for everything you do with Tacoma Against Nazis. Thanks, Marguerite. Thanks for all your moral support Anytime. and for challenging all those people on Facebook all the time. Oh, my God. You do it's the like, real emotional labor. You know, yeah. I do I do love a good Facebook fight. And like we said, like our little middle school poster hanging above our, our heads, mm. what's right is not always popular, and what's popular is not always right. Preach. Get to work, Tacoma. Want to learn more about life in Tacoma? Visit move to Tacoma.com. I was like, I can sing it in my own head. Well, good. This is what this it's a hook. Yeah, it's a hook. We just have to get ourselves in the mood. You're not in the mood. I'm in the mood. I'm in the mood. I'm in the mood. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.